It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Concierge for Better Living with your host, Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Doc Rob, Dr. Rob Streisfeld, your Concierge for Better Living here at CannabisRadio.com and iHeartRadio. Another beautiful day. Today I'm in from, let's see, sunny Florida. And uh, But my guest is more important. I'm excited to have Dr. David Hepburn today as a guest. Thank you, Dave, for joining us on Concierge for Better Living. How are you doing today? Great to be here, Rob, from the West Coast here, Canada. It's uh, not quite as sunny as it, there. it is there, but uh, we're enjoying a good summer. So good to be here. Wonderful. Yeah, I know summer times in Florida are not ideal. A little hot, humid, tons of rain. And I was just in <laughs> Canada recently in Montreal where we got to connect at the ICRS conference, the International Cannabinoid Research Society, uh, their annual symposium. And it was wonderful to get back to that conference and also have some great conversations with yourself. What was your take on that uh, wonderful show? You know, that was absolutely mind-boggling, just the sheer volume of research. As you probably know, I mean, for four days, there was a new uh, research initiative presented almost every 15 minutes for eight hours a day, and it was uh, it was as if lab rats were all talking because clinically I was trying to sort of uh, uh, assimilate this all to a clinical perspective, and it was, I mean, it's just remarkable the amount of you know, international research being done on so many aspects of cannabinoid medicine that, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was quite uh, impressed with that. I'm sure you were as well. We talked about it and it was, a, it was fairly, uh, fairly intense. Yeah, it definitely takes a while to, to, to go through and digest all the information, but it's also wonderful just to connect with individuals who are passionate about cannabis or what I found interesting was sometimes researchers don't really have an emotion to it. It's just a, a widget or something that they were, uh, funded to study. And I thought that was an interesting connect. So before I dive into that, just, you know, that whole, uh, observation, how, how about, what, what, what brought you, a little bit of your background and what got you into the cannabis world? I know that you've done some great things and I'm excited to get into it in this interview. So how did you get involved in this industry, this wonderful cannabis industry that's growing abundantly? Well, you know, you know, uh, Rob, actually, I'm probably the last person that people consider should be in this industry because I was raised very conservatively. I, uh, as I said, my friends would say I made uh, Ted Cruz look like, you know, George Carlin. I was, uh, the hippies look like that. So uh, in other words, I was a very... Uh, uh, I would suggest a religious sort of a right, right wing sort of place. But about a dozen years ago, a friend of mine, a physician from uh, Ontario phoned and said, listen, my mother's in Victoria. She's 80 years old. She's, she has cancer. And the only thing that seems to help her chemo related side effects and her cancer related pain is her friend's cookies and it's cannabis. Would I consider helping her out and getting it done legally in the medical system here? And I said, I used all the excuses that we use as physicians who are not sure. I said, well, you know, I, I haven't seen the science. I don't know the studies. I, I don't know much about it. I don't want to do the paperwork. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, are you kidding? I, I, I skew this whole sort of culture uh, anyway, so I'm not really interested in it doing it. But then he went on to say that, you know, her own doctor wasn't going to help her. She would never jaywalk this woman. She wasn't interested in diversion or getting high. She was interested in getting help. And 
would I consider, and I finally opened up my mind because he, he went on to shame me to say that only fools and dead men never change their minds. So I, I took that as a challenge. And, and uh, I began to realize as I opened up my mind and started to see people uh, who were legitimate, who had no secondary gain, who were uh, basically I trusted that they were using this to get help. And I began to listen. And so as I did so, I realized that they did just want to get help. They did not want to get high. And as I've come to gradually realize that patients are, you know, the important thing is to listen to them and that I would rather ultimately came to a point where I would prefer to use a cannabinoid than some of the other options and alternatives that we have typically, including uh, sleeping pills and benzos and, and opiates and all sorts of issues, all sorts of other things. And the more I began to do it, of course, as anybody, the better it is. Because in medicine, you know, we're very much like a, uh, right now, like when you go to see a mechanic, he tells you that, you know, I can't fix your brakes, so I made your horn louder. I mean, that, that's sort of how we practice a lot of medicine as we try to make things better from a different perspective. But, uh, you know, cannabinoid medicine has offered a tremendous option to, to go right at the problem, right at the endocannabinoid system itself, and to fix things from that end. And that, that's what I've really come to learn to, uh, to be a, um, just a, a great option for physicians. And I've watched doctors as I've traveled across the country and spoken to physicians, I have watched them, the light go on as they understand the ECS and as they understand that this is an option and constantly get reports of how it has fulfilled their practices, made it much more interesting and made it much more rewarding for them as patients come in and thank them for the courage and compassion that they have to put them on cannabis when it's not always easy to do, when it's not always uh, without controversy. And uh, that's been very fulfilling Rob, for me. As, as I know you've so, experienced. Yeah, so it sounds like you've been converted. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the light. <laughs> and you're, which is, you know, yeah, seen the, seen the light, and it wasn't just from a lighter. But no, it, the, the uh, reality here is that, and again, I love it, that, you're, you're, you know, it's a challenge when we're, you know, ingrained in a mindset, especially in medicine, that this is the way we approach it. I, you know, me being a naturopathic doctor, an alternative, what they would say, alternative medicine or complementary medicine, uh, healer, it's uh, it's been an uphill battle just getting credibility or, or or knowing what what I can and cannot do, and it's, it's so it's been around so long, thousands of years, and so safe as far as the history. Now I don't, as a doctor, I'm the first one to say that it's not perfect. There's no such thing. People can die or abuse water, you know, if used improperly. So anything can be used or abused improperly. But there's so much upside to the power of this plant and seeing it firsthand, whether you're a physician or a parent or a patient yourself or someone that's, you know, it, it, there's undeniable. I, I've been watching the news and, and as everyone in the cannabis industry watches the news to see what the current U.S. government is looking to do, as well as the world governments are doing in regards to cannabis. And it's quite interesting, you know, you being in Canada, but I'm sure you're, you're quite aware of, of, multiple you know, regions and how it might affect the cannabis market from Canada to the U.S. and beyond. What are your thoughts on, on, on accessibility to this plant as we go forward? You know, you're, you're absolutely right. And uh, the, the issue is with physicians, you know, and you talk about the stigma and the bias that we've all grown up with here. And I think when Sanjay Gupta, as a key opinion leader in the States, uh, came to the realization, in fact, that it was not as was touted for 70 years to us. But the, the, the problem was, with a dearth of research, you know, the whole medicalization of marijuana has been driven primarily by anecdotes. These are stories of triumphs in, in, in various people, but it makes for pretty poor science, really, anecdotes itself. 
And pharmacologically, of course, cannabis is a nightmare. Uh, there's just so many different options that it makes it very difficult to pinpoint exactly, as you say, what works for who, uh, for which condition. And it's a, you know, of course, a Schedule One drug. And 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 again, for the past 70 years, the experts are usually people named Cosmo from outside Berkeley, or and they prescribe, you know, Super Silver Haze Alaska Thunderscrew and Smoochie Woochie Poochie and smoke two of these. So it had nothing to do, it seemed, with medicine. So there's a, a natural bias. And I, and I say to folks, I said, listen, don't try to eschew hyperbole when it comes to cannabis. It is not a miracle cure for everything, and it is not the devil's elixir either way. And that all that serves to do is to, by, by, being, uh, by being sort of excessively uh, one way or the other, is to sabotage the potential, the promise, the possibilities that the science of cannabis has given us. And so, again, I, I think that sometimes we we turn on ourselves accidentally by not, um, not recognizing the fact that people's biases are very real in the medical profession. The medical profession is a very conservative profession to begin with. And if we don't recognize that and work with it, um, but I'll tell you what, it is a different game today than it was even just two years ago. So that now people are clamoring, physicians and medical groups are clamoring to uh, know more. The prescription rate has just skyrocketed here in Canada from physicians. Uh, so more and more doctors are prescribing, more and more patients are we're over 120,000 uh, patients in Canada who are medically registered with Health Canada. So again, we, we see this tipping point. We're, we're watching it happen. And it has just been, uh, yeah, it's been very rewarding for me to see it because um, I come from that group who have opinions that have been loosely formed and firmly held over the years. And as I say to physicians, it's important sometimes that you have to unlearn in order to learn and unlearn the biases, unlearn, unlearn some of the, the natural sort of disinclination to not accept RCTs, random controlled studies uh, that we look for all the time, because there is certainly just a plethora of evidence that's all preclinical, observational, experimental, uh, animal tissue culture, the whole translational science of going from the bench to the bedside is in the course of happening, but they don't have the, the studies in front of them right now. That's changing, and that has helped dramatically. So, again, it's so exciting to be part of the uh, the tipping point uh, here in North America. I love it. I love the energy. It's obvious. It's apparent, and it's shared because, obviously, that's what I'm all about. It's, it's getting this, this movement, this education, this plant to become more mainstream, but I say that with this scientific validation, with the ability to provide more substantiated uh, utilization. I've been pumping the brakes on people recommending dosaging without really understanding dosaging and people using names of strains like you mentioned that are really not the way the future of cannabis, in my opinion, is going to be. It's going to be on you know, phytocannabinoid ratios, terpene formulations or, you know, proportions and it's gonna be a lot of interesting development i know you're on the forefront of it and i'm again excited to have you on this show today i appreciate you sharing we're going to dive into more about the patient environment in canada when we come back after this brief break please don't go anywhere this is dr david hepburn is my guest today on canvasradio.com i'm doc rob don't go anywhere. we'll be right back the concierge for better living will continue in a moment are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? 
At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. Only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back. This is Doc Rob, your host today on CannabisRadio.com. Concierge for better living with my guest, Dr. David Hepburn, talking about what else? Cannabis, but more from the medical perspective, because you know this has been a challenge. Whether you're in the U.S. or abroad, we have this war on drugs, this this mixed propaganda of of I hate to say the term fake news, but you still have people with antiquated opinions on a plant that like cannabis is a gateway drug. There was images of it being compared to smoking crack in the alley. I mean, this is not the case when you have p- patients of all ages, little kids being you know benefited with cannabinoids and seizures and other spectrum disorders, all the way up to the elderly coping with cancer and pain and even end-of-life struggles, which I think this country, the U.S. specifically, has to take a different approach to, as I've dealt personally with a lot of elder care and end-of-life scenarios. But, you know, Dave, you're, 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 you're calling in from Canada. Canada has a different healthcare model. You said there's 120,000 plus enrolled patients for cannabis in Canada. What's the perception? Uh, how, how do you see it being utilized or integrated into that into the Canadian model, or how is it being integrated? Right, and, and I think it's going to be the same for the American model, which, as you know, is quite fractured state to state currently here. But you know, I was speaking at the, the Patients at a Time conference in California recently, and I and as I said to them, the, the the whole issue with, with cannabis, the whole legalization issue, the whole uh, acceptance is going to come through physicians ultimately because they are the most sort of right-limiting factor when it comes to it. But when the doctors begin to uh, see it and demand it, in fact, in 1937, when the Marijuana Tax Act what made cannabis illegal, uh, the only organization, and a lot of people don't know this, that stood up against that two-day act being passed through Congress, the only organization that stood up against it was the American Medical Association because they recognized back then that uh, it was a useful medic, uh, useful modality for a lot of things that they did. William Osler said it's the single best treatment for migraines. Uh, and certainly 
Uh, it was in at one point over 20% of medications contained cannabis of some type. Uh, it wasn't called marijuana then, of course. It was uh, until it was vilified by uh, by vested interest. But you know, I think that uh, it's um, you know it's medicine, and it needs that kind of respect. And as it gets that kind of respect, it will it will have a new nuance to it. It will have a new understanding and acceptance in this Canada, the United States. So, in Canada, yes, we are we are still having that tipping point. We are still uh, you know wading through the physician sort of natural bias and skepticism. And as that happens. And it's also patient-driven. You know, patients come in and they, and you know, they have nothing to gain for this. They're, they're not trying to get high. They're trying to get help, and they and they know that their friends have used it and it's helped them with sleep or fibromyalgia or or uh, just a plethora of conditions, as you know. And um, there, there's, there's probably over 160 different medical conditions. Excuse me. Now that cannabis has a role in that the endocannabinoid system plays a role in. And as I explained to physicians, listen, the, all we're trying to do is harness our natural endocannabinoid system. And so I, I will preface uh, a talk by saying, how many of you in this audience, and say there's 100 physicians there, how many of you in this audience currently have cannabis running in your bloodstream? And you may see one or two intrepid souls put up their hand, and, but, and then I go around and I say, look, you have cannabis in your bloodstream, and they'll deny it. And I'll say, you and you. I, say, I, I do this to underscore the fact that you have your own cannabis that you make. And as that penny drops, as they begin to understand that this is just harnessing our natural system that sometimes is deficient, just as there are other systems like that. For example, the, you know, if there's an aberration in the dopamine system, then you have issues with Parkinson's, with some depressions in serotonin and with dementias and acetylcholine. So there's natural deficiencies or areas where we can use cannabis to, to basically voice up a flagging endocannabinoid system. And that is where I think that the, the physicians go, wow, really? They didn't know about this. It wasn't discovered till 1990. So as, as that realization happens, the rest falls. And it is, uh, you know, right, right now, as they say, we, we kind of toss an iron life jacket. Uh, he, here's, what, here's what works, but uh, we're not really sure uh, how to implement it. And we have to be more helpful that way. We have to be able to establish, as you mentioned, dosages and establish criteria and establish which percentages of which cannabinoid and terpenes and flavonoids work for what. And that has been really, really fun. As I say, you and I were at ICRS in Montreal, and it was mind-boggling, just the, 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 the sheer volume of, of new things happening and research that is showing more and more exciting things. And it's like every second research project was just a, a major revelation to me. And I, I know it was to you. We talked about it. And, and any other physicians that were there were kind of mind-boggled by it because it was all researchers. But, uh, you know, it's it's an exciting time to be here, Rob. It definitely is. And the researchers are, are, are critical. They're, they're providing almost, a, um, how do I put it, a non, I said that non-emotional feedback to the scenario. They're, many of them have no no vested interest aside from being a, a, a proficient researcher in the substance itself. They're not because they're not trying to find the missing links. So they can make a billion dollars. They're just trying to deliver solid research that could help move this industry forward. And I think I, I really respect it a lot. On the other hand, there's a lot of them that have no emotional connection to the plant and they don't really even understand context and opportunity. So there's a little bit of a double edged sword there by that. I mean, I was listening to, uh, one of the, I think I may have brought, we've talked about this. One of the uh, studies that was discussed was 
uh, effect of different distribution routes. So those that are smoking versus vaping versus eating edibles. And that's an issue here in the States. I'm not not sure about in the provinces up north, but some states are saying no smoking. You can't smoke flour. You can only consume edibles or or get oils for you know internal cons- oral consumption. And so they did test a comparison of human studies with smoking versus vaping versus edibles. But their methodology was was coming from a place of someone who never had it touched the plant or experienced cannabis themselves personally, because you could tell that in making brownies, let's say, they didn't do it to the, the most, the professional way that true people knowing how to utilize the plant and the plant oils and cooking, the technique was not applied. There were certain variables and factors that weren't considered. But the bottom line is, is that this is just the beginning. This is just the, you know, when I go to ICRS, while many of them doing research for years, this is still just the, the tip of the iceberg for this industry and the potential and the opportunities going forward are, are what gets me very excited. And, and that, that's that's across the board. I think that people, every time I heard someone speak, it was like, wow, that there's an opportunity to go further and research this further. Or here's a way to maybe make formulas or adjust formulation in products. Or here's a different delivery system that might benefit this you know, population of, of, of health issues. So it's quite quite significant to be uh, part of this movement. And I know that you share that sentiment quite significantly. You know, you're, you're right, Rob. And I, I think there's a role for that kind of uh, a position as well. I mean, the fact that they're dispassionate is actually not a bad thing because they have no, uh, no ax to grind. They have nothing to prove. They are simply being scientific. They're looking at something that's reproducible. They're looking at something that is uh, scientifically valid. And certainly that's what physicians are looking for. So the fact that it's not a, uh, a raison d'etre for them, it's just pure science. There's a good role for that. And I think that that's, uh, again, it's, it's uh, as they begin to unveil uh, the sort of the, the reveal what the systems are doing in regards to their research. I, I think of the, um, I think of the sort of inventions that can come from this or the, it reminds me of how in Canada is a joke that uh, there's a way to make dog sleds go faster. We've discovered a new way to make dog sleds go faster. And that is that you replace the two lead dogs with two cats. And uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the research. And that works well until they come to the first tree. So in other words, there, there are lots of you know, landmines and minefields to get through here. And yes, I met the most uh, remarkable people on this sort of journey, both the most dispassionate scientists who realize that there's a role for this, and then there's the real uh, brilliant individuals. Uh, you know, here in Victoria, there's uh, you come across people like Rene Gagnon I met from Hollyweed North, which is a company that is a what's called a pending licensed producer. But just to you know have a, one of these people you can sit and listen to for two hours and not even budge, and it's just the the combination of the science with the passion that you see. So again, there's 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 people like yourself, Rob, who are so positive and encouraging and upbeat and and the whole bit. And then there are those who are just, again, it's like lab rats talking. And I think that when you have that, that's a good combination. I don't think it's a bad thing. Oh, no, I, I love it. And then I go to even the further spectrum, which is our, our very much naturalists and plant enthusiasts. And it's where the plant is safe and it's wonderful. And they don't even really need to know the scientific functionality of it. They just know that nature provided it and it's been a gift. And so you have this wide spectrum. And, and I want to say, being someone that you know, thankfully kind of engages all aspects being a holistic person by nature, that one of the things that I love is that in, in the research and the findings is that things that we've been talking about, at least 
the last 10, 20, 30 years. I'll even go back to Jack Elaine and, and fitness, if, if anyone knows that name. But um, the idea is that things that we have been talking about regarding better quality of life, exercise, uh, yoga, meditation, dark green leafy vegetables, all these other things, you know, just taking self-care in, in a more holistic, natural way have also been shown uh, to increase the endocannabinoid system tone and the body's ability to produce those internal cannabis or cannabinoids that you mentioned and to heal and support the body just by doing other things. So in the context that cannabis itself is amazing, this journey studying cannabis has allowed us to validate all these other non-cannabinoid ways of improving our well-being. And I think that's a really important message that people need to, to, to take home is that it's not just another widget or another magic pill or, you know, super healing, you know, remedy. It's, it's a combination of activity and action and, and, and supplementation and all these things holistically coming together to provide a, a better life for, for the individual. You're right. You know, the, the rising tide floats all ships. And I think that as people begin to recognize that there are other ways besides some of the ways that we've looked for in the past, then, then that is excellent. And as I say, as this, as this revelation continues to revelation, that sounds uh, very ecumenical, but as this sort of uh, understanding of how things are working uh, happens along. I, I, I reminded the person who said, how do you eat an elephant? And it, you eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time. So you make these steps, but along the way, there's some dramatic changes. I think that the recent uh, January 2017 400-page re report from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, where they showed that there was conclusive and substantial evidence that cannabis is effective in, in specific conditions, was a real um, it was one of those huge bites from the elephant. That now it's hard, and I, so I still don't understand why. Uh, you know the the DEA or others don't look at that and say, hey, listen, this is our own national academies who said there's good evidence, that there's use in, in uh, conclusive evidence that is effective in certain conditions. So why are we still making a Schedule 1? It just, again, they're, they're, they're sort of the right hand doesn't seem to know what the left hand is doing at times. And it's frustrating because that in turn hampers research, which in turn leads to a paucity of studies that physicians look for. So again, I think that as, as this you know, is made more real, and I think that as the, the, the average listener, their biggest role can be to continue to encourage at the government levels and at the physician levels an understanding of the endocannabinoid system. So people say, well, where do I start? I say, learn about the ECS first. And the other thing is to, you know, be a voice of reason and, and point out the fact that the National Academies have said that there's great evidence for this. So why is a Schedule 1? Schedule 1 means that there is no... Uh, medical evidence well they're just absolutely saying the opposite things here exactly. so it's like a circular firing squad is that they don't know which way they're shooting sometimes and they just <laughs> hammer each other but uh, again it's um uh you know we, we begin to see that it's you know in canada it's very exciting there's been actually a very rapid growth because the government has been uh, you know much more amenable to understanding the, the science and of course combining that with understanding the the uh, the fact that it is a lot less dangerous than anybody ever thought it was. Wonderful. Yeah, I love that and I uh, appreciate the insight. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with our last segment with Dr. David Hepburn. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm excited to wrap it up. I think we have to do more of these days. And don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for a better living here on con uh, CannabisRadio.com. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. 
Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest-growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC. Symbol MCIG. Running a successful cannabis business isn't easy. Successful businesses need to have strong people to achieve long-term results. At Live Advisors, we believe people are the heart of business, and training people can help you infinitely grow your business. Learn more about our offerings at liveadvisors.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Let's check back in with Doc Robb and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, and we're back on this final, but unfortunately final segment. I'm enjoying this conversation you know, immensely. Dr. David Hepburn, my guest today, talk cannabis and research and medicine. So let's see. So there's so much things I want to discuss. What, what, what might you want to add to this conversation as far as of all the things? I know we talked about ICRS and a bunch of conferences. You and I both speak at a bunch. I think uh, we talk about let, – let's, let's wrap this up a little bit into – something that I think is CBD, cannabidiol, because this is the one that is getting the most attention today. Although I'm a big advocate of all the phytocannabinoids, specifically and especially the acids, the raw state, the THCA and the CBDA and all the other acid forms, cannabidiolic acids. But, you know, I think CBD has garnered the most attention. One of the studies that I saw in ICRS, one of the posters that I want to bring up was that – isolated CBD or 99 or 98% pure CBD isolate was less effective and higher doses required than full spectrum oil. I just wondered what your thoughts were on, on isolate versus full spectrum or whole plant. You know, the whole plant derivative has been shown again and again to be much more effective, whether it's the entourage slash ensemble effect or whether, because the, the isolate by itself uh, has got a very thin area under the curve where it actually is effective. There's a very fine place to find that sweet spot. So the most effective and the most popular uh, medications right now uh, in, in Canada are a 20 to 1 CBD to THC ratio. In other words, you have to have some THC in there. Uh, because it, it, it absolutely augments the, the effect of CBD, and it uh, widens that area under the curve. So this is part of the science, of course. There's 144 different cannabinoids. How do they interact? There's all these terpenoids as well. And we have a long ways to go to understand it. But at the same time, it's so safe. Nobody ever dies of cannabis. And I, and I emphasize this. I mean, the, the treatment for an overdose of cannabis is, you know, a pizza. So I think that what happens is that you have this understanding that you have a massive safety profile. And as physicians, we always look at medications. We look at the safety, efficacy, tolerability, and cost. 
And when the safety profile is so large and the efficacy is, is so very evident in many cases, this makes it uh, easy to turn to. And so, again, what, what I typically will do with people who say, well, where do, you know, what do I do? I said, the first thing you would do is Google your particular disease, whatever it is, if it's Eastern Bohemian pseudohypoparathyroidism or whatever it is, Google your disease and cannabis, and you will find a significant amount of literature in many, many common conditions that we struggle with as physicians, fibromyalgia, cerebral bowel syndromes, uh, migraines, of course, chronic pains, uh, many neurodegenerative conditions, and you will find a plethora of scientific uh, information that is beginning to back us up. I spoke last night to a group of physicians here in Canada, and um, you know what's interesting to me is it's now gone on more from the general practitioners to specialists. So amongst the group yesterday were dermatologists who are now beginning to see its use in various uh, uh, effects on the receptors of the skin. So again, you know, and it was like, yeah, you know, you Google psoriasis or eczema or, or acne and, and you put that with, uh, with cannabis and there is research, both preclinical and now clinical, uh, that are happening. So again, it is, uh, with physicians, I, again, I, I do think that's the rate limiting factor, but I think that it can be driven very much by patients. I learned from people. I learned from patients who came in and I knew that they had no interest other than getting better. And again, that sort of led to this whole explorative area for me, and it's been nothing but rewarding. I had a patient who was uh, had a, a peripheral neuropathy. She was a fairly well-known artist here in Canada. She had galleries across the country, but she wasn't able to paint for two years due to this. And of course, this led to anxiety and insomnia. And she came in reluctant. She was sent to me, and, and uh, so I said, you know, let's let's try this, uh, see what happens. She tried the other usual things, the, the lyrics and whatnot. And she, um, a month later, she came back. And she did, uh, my secretary came down the hall and said, uh, you know, Dr. Hepburn, she said, uh, Mrs. So-and-so's here, and her husband's here with her. Uh, he wants to see you. He's a lawyer. So <laughs> right away, I said, well, you know, fine. That's great. We love that word. And But he comes down the hall, and he, he shook my hand. He said, I just want to thank you for your, your courage and your compassion. It has changed her life. She is now painting again. She sleeps. It's been the best thing. And they have now become significant advocates, as patients are want to do once they have experience. So, again, we have children. There's a little girl here named Kyla Williams. And I, I would suggest that if you want to see a tremendous uh, website, it's uh, kylasquest.org. And on that site, by the way, is one of my, is one of my talks because I went and spoke for them. Um, this is a little girl four years of age with 200 seizures a day down to zero with CBD. Um, and her grandparents, father is RCMP, which is the Mounties here. And so he's been used to sort of fighting against this. And now they are tremendous advocates for its use. And it is, it is happening so that other RCMP officers begin to realize, Hey, there is a medical role for this and it is wonderful. So again, I'm all over the map here. I know Rob, because it's, it's just, it's such a, there's so many areas to scratch and, and, and drill down into that. No, it's you know, great. It's great. The passion's real and, uh, you know, sharing that information, I think sharing that website's great and people can get it, catch a video of you and get a little bit more connected with you. Um, this has been wonderful. I, I, I hate to cut it short. We're gonna have to have you back on for a part two and keep this conversation going. Really, really appreciate your time, Dr. Hepburn today. Thank you for sharing everything. And, and for those that want to, uh, learn more, check out, Kylie's Quest. We'll also post some links for Dr. Hepburn when we at when we when we post the the podcast to the, the sites and share it via social media. So thank you guys. So thank you all very much for listening. Patients, audience, doctors, listen. 
get involved, be active, read more, and, and promote this plant because it is going to make the change. We're all going to feel better and live healthier, happier lives. That's my wish to, for you all. And with that note, this is Dr. Rob signing off. Thanks again, Dr. Hepburn. Wishing you all the best in health and happiness. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.